To, to those of us here this afternoon, or evening, whatever we may call it, that also attended this morning, wasn't our morning class and worship unusually inspiring? It's always inspiring, but sometimes it seems to just stand out. Um, top notch. And my prayer is that God received it with a light view, that He thinks it was well done. <clears throat> from the class led by John to the very thoughtful prayers that we had, the beautiful congregational singing led by Brad, the emotional Lord's Supper preview and prayers and observance led by Adam, and the sermon by Ken, that other Ken, which was thoughtful and almost flawless in, in its delivery. It resulted in a great time to be here. And tonight, we've gotten off to a similar great start, I believe. But now, we have the other kin up here, Phil Lenz. So, we'll see how things go from here. About my lesson tonight, the idea or the uh, theme came from a 120, actually a 220-page book 120-year-old book by S.D. Gordon that I've had in my library, my religious library in particular, for about 120 years. Well, maybe that's only 50 or 60 years. I've had it many decades. Uh, a large part of my lesson from a very small fraction of that 220-page book, including uh, comments, examples, and uh, a lot of the wording are my own. So I didn't just copy the book out, but I did take a lot of thoughts from it. And we will title it, The Price of Power. The Price of Power. Every person needs power. Every earnest, sincere person really wants, strongly desires power. Please bear with me as I clarify these uh, two statements I just made and uh, some other statements that will follow. <clears throat> In saying every person, I'm referring to adult, accountable men and women. And my references to the uh, words needs, wants, strongly desire, power, should become clearer as I go along in the lesson. <clears throat> every willing and obedient obedient-minded person has the Lord's promise of power. But every person does not possess the promised power. And many people, regrettably, never will. Many people's lives today are totally lacking in power. Some of us and our families and friends will very likely look back at the close of life with a sense of keen disappointment and a bitter defeat. And the reason for that is not too complicated or too far away to seek and not too hard to understand or to see through. If we do not have power, it's because we are not willing to pay the price. And that's the gist of the lesson tonight. Everything 
in this world costs, has a price. There's a law of exchange that rules in every sphere, every aspect of life. And that law is this, to get, you must give. It rules in the business world. If you, uh, if you want a car or a house or a pair of socks, we must give the sum that's agreed upon. It rules in the intellectual world. If a young lady or man, or older person for that matter, wants a disciplined, educated mind, uh, he or she must give the time and the close application uh, <clears throat> and, some, and some real hard work to get that. It holds true in the spiritual realm. If you and I want to have business transactions in the upper world of spirit life, we must be governed by basically the same laws. In order to have power in our lives over sin and selfishness and passion and appetite, over tongue and temper and self-seeking ambition, to have power in prayer, and in winning others over from sin to Christ, we must first lay down the required price. So what is the price of power? If you will, you can turn in your Bibles to the uh, scripture that was read earlier uh, to Jesus' talk with Peter and the others in the latter part of uh, the 16th chapter, starting with about verse 21 in Matthew 16, 21 through 24. Jesus had been telling Peter and the others <clears throat> Uh, about awful things that were to come. The, uh, his experiences on the cross, for example. Jesus clearly saw it coming and he knew it was coming soon, so he was letting them know what was going on here. Peter, whatever his motivation, either love for his master or fear that whatever happens to his master might come to himself as well, reacted out of love, fear, repulsion, or whatever, whatever his emotions might have been, he, uh, he seems to have the audacity to re rebuke Jesus. In fact, I think the scripture said he rebuked in some versions. <clears throat> Jesus recognized that reaction by Peter as actually coming from a far more subtle an evil individual than Peter himself. Someone or some power using Peter's emotional state, perhaps his selfish, brash nature or whatever, uh, in the same type of suggestive temptation that Jesus had experienced in the wilderness led to Jesus again, as he did in the wilderness, bidding Satan be gone from the scene. He told him to get out of here, in other words than that. Then in a few simple words of far-reaching significance, Jesus states first of all the standard of power, and then the price to be paid by anyone who would reach that standard. 
Listen to him in verse 24. I'll repeat that verse. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We'll just take a, deep, a, a bit of a dive into portions of that, that, those familiar words in that chapter or in that verse. If any man would come after me, that is the standard set before us. It does not expressly say or necessarily say or mean that uh, one must be regarded as a pillar in the church. It doesn't state that. A leader in religious circles, a good Bible student, a generous giver, an earnest speaker, an energetic worker, or a spiritually minded individual. Some of these uh, very admirable qualities uh, may or may be or, or may become important factors that mesh with the uh, true come after me uh, person that Jesus speaks about. Some qualities like these may follow and may flourish depending on individual talents and tendencies and growth. But we mustn't lose sight of Jesus' standard. If any man would come after me, verse 24, so follow him, tread in his steps. I think there are books read or written on that very subject matter. Now, think back into that remarkable, unparalleled life of Christ. A human life, remember? Because although He was and is the Son of God, He lived His life down here as a Son of Man. Think of His power over temptation. Not only at the beginning of His ministry in the fierce wilderness struggle, but through those succeeding years of intense conflict. His power over Satan, over man-possessing demons, over disease. His power in dealing with the subtle, hypocritic scribes and teachers and Pharisees trying their best to trip Him up. As well as power over His uh, most violent enemies who would have dashed Him over that cliff in, in Nazareth. Or later they would have uh, stoned Him to death in Jerusalem. Recall the uh, power of His rare, unmatched unselfishness. His combined plainness and, and tenderness in dealing with people. His unfailing love to all classes. His power as a soul winner, as a man of prayer, as a popular preacher, loving, drawing, wooing men and women to Him, at the same time rebuking their sins. There, in that description, is the suggestion, the example of Jesus' standard of power. So we're beginning to see Jesus' standard of power when we look into His life. Come after me. Would you go after Him? You may, and I may. Uh, but how may we? I think we all know this in a sense, but for as the Father sent Him, even so He sends us to do the same work and to live the same kind of life. And it's 
to the very highest degree that we can at least with his help. But wait a moment before answering that question of come after me. Is this, is this all there is? There's another side to the coin to Christ's life that we have to factor in. <clears throat> We've all heard the saying that opposites attract. And this can be true, but opposites brought into contact can produce a violent reaction or disturbance. As a chemist and research scientist for many years, I can vouch for that. I've seen the explosions. I probably caused some. Not sure. Have to think back. <clears throat> in the context of tonight's lesson, such a life as that of Jesus down in the atmosphere of this world will necessarily provoke bitter enmities, whether it was 2,000 years ago or more or now. Take note. As you all know, he was criticized and slandered. They said he was peculiar and fanatical. Even his friends and probably some of his family thought him as being beside himself, swept off his feet by uh, excessive hot-headed uh, enthusiasm. They laughed him to scorn and reviled him. They picked at his words and they nagged his kindliest deeds and dogged his steps. Repeated attempts, as I mentioned earlier, were made on his life, both where he grew up and by stoning at Jerusalem. A determined conspiracy against his life was planned by Jewish Jerusalem officials six months before the crucifixion actually came. He was practically a fugitive for those six months. Then in time, Jesus was arrested and mocked and spit upon, struck with open hand and clenched fist, mockingly crowned with thorns and finally killed. A cruel, lingering, tortured death on a cross. If any man would come after me, look at that again. Clearly, this language of Jesus placed back there in its original setting begins to take on a new significance. Again, let's look at these words a little more closely. If, word if, makes it an open question, this matter of following Jesus. And that question is kept open by many people who want to be known as Christians, but who might hesitate over what a plain understanding of Jesus' words may fully involve. Many people, maybe some of us, may be disposed to shrink back from the simple meaning these words will yet reveal to us if we sincerely, deeply seek to follow Him. If any man would, would is the past tense or we might say a derivative form of will. The word will is one of the very strong words in, in our language. A man or woman's will is a very critical, almost imperial part of someone. It's like the autocrat sitting on the throne or the judge 
on the bench of final appeal. Jesus is getting down to the root of matters. Uh, he is appealing to the highest authority within us. This is not just a mere passing sentiment. It's not like attending a rally or a meeting and uh, being swept along with the crowd by the influence of the hour. What it is, is a fixed purpose, calmly, resolutely, deliberately settled upon, rooted away down deep in the very vitals of the will to follow God's and Jesus absolutely, no matter what it may cost or where it may cut. A simple word of caution here is I would not have you believe that I believe that it's one magic moment of deciding we're going to follow Him is uh, of, of this great resolve in retrospect is the all that ends all. It's more like the beginning of coming after Him to reset or firmly set our lives in His footsteps. We're made to wonder, at least uh, I wonder, how many of us would come to such a purpose to follow Jesus absolutely. I won't say blindly because we do have His Word, we have the Bible, we have our faith. But to follow Him utterly regardless of what it might turn out mean, to mean as the days and years come and go. Some would likely say, oh well, why talk like that? Uh, nobody is required to suffer today as Jesus did. Do you really think not? Let's just think about that. Although the sufferings and temptations that we typically experience today may not be exactly like those of Jesus, and who could possibly come out sinless like He did in undergoing those temptations, let's think about that statement about we don't undergo the kinds of temptations He did. Just recall that uh, what others that you may know and uh, incidents that you may have heard on the news or read about, hear about, what they have had to suffer. And we can read about them in the Bible as well, the sufferings of many. Many people have and still do endure very serious trials and sufferings. In some cases, in their efforts to remain faithful to the end, uh, these sufferings happen to us. We know about and we can think of many extreme and maybe not so extreme examples, real and hypothetical, that are just devastating. That choice of walking in Jesus' footprints may totally separate us from family, from friends, spouse, fiance, jobs, home, things that can even make us very, very ill for a long, long time. But we know also that there is a promise made to the faithful that God will not uh, give us something that we cannot bear. And I'm not quoting that exactly correctly. I believe that there's little doubt that if some of us were to follow Jesus quietly, but absolutely, in all things as Jesus' life, His teachings, and Spirit leads, we may find uh, sharp lines of separation drawn against us in this world, just as 
Jesus encountered in Palestine, and also as people that we may know have suffered as well. Many special uh, social doors really should uh, could be shut in our faces, maybe politely sometimes, maybe not politely. Much of society, the world around us, seems to think it is bad form, or perhaps overreacting to get, uh, quote, duly uh, excited about mere matters of religious convictions or opinions or faith. So those social doors may be shut and even barred. Some who are in the workforce could possibly, possibly be looking for other jobs if we become determined to go only where Jesus clearly pointed the way. Remember, we must pay the price to get the promised power. The price is come after Jesus, walk in His steps. But as far as this lesson is concerned, in terms of getting to the uh, deep meaning of Jesus' words in, uh, in Matthew 16, verse 24, we have really just barely only touched the edges we just really be began to study this lesson. So get ready, but don't fear. I'm actually nearing the end of my allotted time because I know that there's a time factor in this as well. It's possible that the number of us willing and eager to do an in-depth study, even a private study, into the full meaning and repercussions of this uh, Matthew 24, or tw verse, chapter 24, verse 16, to bond our will, calm, determined, resounding yes to every word of Jesus. Uh, it might be kind of hard for all of us to hang in there. That our numbers might dwindle or, or grow smaller as we strain against a true commitment. Or conversely, we might have our minds open wider in such a deep study. We could perhaps climb higher than we've ever been along Jesus' pathway, His steps. It would help if we can do a type of character sketch, a self-analysis concerning the key words, let Him deny Himself. We won't get into details on that, but we must determine that self must consistently be denied and repressed and put down with great determination, starved and strangled, uh, given a jaw-locked no, and anything that we can do to keep ourself restrained. There are many lessons within this uh, single highly loaded verse. So many forks in the road, wrong forks, many of those, and a single right fork. But I digress there, and uh, we need to close this. The words, take up his cross, also have a very deep and broad meaning, worthy of much study and discussion. In Luke's account of this same discussion in Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 23, 
a practical, meaningful, additional word is added to this uh, key teaching. Take up his cross daily. So the word daily is added by Luke. The word daily is our constant keynote. Keynote or reminder of a daily conflict that we'll have. Daily vid vigilance. Uh, and thanks to our Lord, a daily victory if we persevere and overcome. There is much deep meaning, many key messages in all the words and phrases of Matthew 16:24 that I left on the table unsaid. And don't uh, most actual preachers, which I'm not one, feel that way after even a 30 or 40 or 50 minute sermon or lesson. Now as I close, just as I promised earlier to do, let's focus again on the very last closing three words of Jesus in that verse. And follow me, and follow me. Jesus doesn't send any of us out ahead all, or alone, all alone. He says, come along after me in His footsteps. This evening, if you have not committed your life to accept and to, and to follow Jesus, to begin a new life, then to grow in His likeness and service, we invite you and encourage you to do so. And we that are, are His children already must remember to take up His cross daily and keep on growing and following in His footsteps. So I invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.